Alrighty, everybody, we are back with another episode of Bad at Magic, where we are bad at magic. <laughs> All right, I didn't realize we were doing an NPR intro, but here we go. Sorry, I'm sorry, that was, that was bad. I'm still trying to figure out how to do this for us. So, uh, EK and I were trying to figure out what we wanted to do for episode two, because um, you know, there's like a lot of different things that you can talk about, especially when you know you're a budding podcast, and. Mm-hmm. Um, we were kind of thinking about, you know, the ways that we experience magic and the ways that we play magic. We have very different play styles. We have very different experiences. And then we kind of realized, you know, the the best place to start is literally at the beginning. And deck building is kind of the beginning when it comes to magic. And we kind of realized we don't deck build the same, like at all. It's It's <laughs> like a complete polar opposite. Yeah. Even. Like, it, it's bad. It's bad. So, it's not bad. It's just different. It, it's, yeah. Let, yeah. That's a good way to put it. Sure. It's just doubling down. Like deck building is just a very personal process. Like mm-hmm. that's fine that we do things differently. It's actually probably a good thing. Cause if everyone, if everyone just built their decks the exact same way, like I feel like boring. the format just wouldn't have the, yeah, the format wouldn't have the dimension that it, mm-hmm. that it has. People's personalities wouldn't come out in their decks as much as they do. For sure. Like for me, I, I deck building, I'm glad you said deck building is a very personal thing for me, especially it's a way for me to kind of express um, my creativity, which is why I like commander so much. It's, it's the format where there's no particular set meta. You can do anything about any number of ways. There's always like five or six ways to do one thing. And, you know, one might be super good and one might be like the most, you know, uh, bass backwards way of doing it, but it's still fun. And I really like that. Um, so when it comes to deck building, I just think, you know, it's kind of a really good place, I think, for us to start, um, you know, this kind of episode. Like, how, how do we like to deck build? Where do we start? What resources do we use? Is there any sort of like mantra or, or thing that you go through when you deck build? Or, um, you know, do you just, I mean, there's so many different ways that you can do it. Like I, even, even now where I am now with my deck building process, I used to do it completely differently when I first started playing. It'll be, Oh God, seven years in December. It'll be seven years in December. Oh my God. That's a whole child's worth of (laughs) magic experience. That, that is an entire experience of grade school and middle school. God, nightmarish. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so naturally you have your blunder years where like you're just flying by the seat of your pants for those first couple of years doing your hard and fast like 10 pieces of card draw 10 pieces of ramp like that kind of like hard and fast template and then mm-hmm. you've obviously like evolved to the point where like every deck is different just because you you know what you're doing like yeah i um when i first started deck building i would literally just because this was before I knew about EDHREC, so I would literally go on to tapped out. I would type in the commander that I wanted to make. I would sort by, like, um, views or likes or whatever. I would choose the highest uh, appraised list that wasn't, like, over $1,000. And I would go, okay, this is it. I'm building this one. <laughs> are, you a, are you a net decker, Chase? I used to be, but that's just because I, I didn't really know the resources. But even then, it's not like a bad thing no, to be in that No, it's, a, it's, it's a good thing. It, it is. Like, it, it's great. Those resources are, are made for you for a reason. They're put there for a reason. Like, I know that, especially in the past, a lot of people used to be heavily against the concept of net decking. Like, you're not, you know, you're not exercising that creativity that you're supposed to be so therefore you know it's a bad thing which I never understood because literally every other format especially tournament based formats so like um modern and pioneer and 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 standard and stuff those heavily rely on a meta with (laughs) posted lists that are updated on on MTG Goldfish, and that's how you find those lists are online. It just never made sense to me. It's not a bad thing that there's net decking out there, and it's it's kind of the whole 
if people weren't encouraging each other to look at their lists, we wouldn't be putting our lists online in the first place. Like videos wouldn't have lists in the video description, like a, a recording on YouTube or something like that. You wouldn't be able to go to Moxfield and look at the list there and either like a get ideas for your own deck or just say like, Hey, I like Rachel's Feldegrift deck. I want to build Rachel's Feldegrift deck or like, mm -hmm. I like your Chandra deck. If I'm going to build a Chandra deck, I want it to be that deck because I yeah. like that deck as much as I do. I mean, as a, as a content creator, I mean, like I liked, I like to make lists just cause it's something that I personally enjoy, but I also like to make lists to provide that resource out there to people. Cause it's not just for me. Like if you wanted that list, but you didn't really like have like the time to deck build or the energy to deck build. Cause it's, it's intense and tedious to yeah. deck build at times. Cause before, before my deck building stream that I would do, I would deck build over the course of like a couple weeks. Like I would really refine my list and take my time. And now I just, now I one shot it in like three yeah. hours. <laughs> and it's, and like that's you with don't, the help of dozens of people too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, like you, you don't necessarily follow like the same method every time you do that too. No. You know, <laughs> it's obviously very like commander dependent. But even then, you don't say, like, okay, let's get the ramp out of the way. Okay, let's get the thing out of the way. Let's, like, work from a specific, like, method or two. You kind of just see how it goes. And, you know, you're beholden to chat even as well. So it's mm -hmm. kind of whatever chat has come to their mind first and foremost as well. When it comes to the concept of deck building, for me, I don't like the term staples. And that's something that, that has grown with me over time. Like, um, when I deck build, I don't start with, okay, we got to have a soul ring and we have to have, um, if I'm in green, a Kodama's reach and a rampant growth and uh, cultivate, or if I'm in white path swords, beast within and smothering tides. I don't build that way. I don't like building that way. I feel like that's rather limiting. I would rather try to find ways, um, to integrate quote unquote, like staples in a way that fits with the deck. So yeah. like, um, if I have like in my Alibu deck, I have, um, dispatch in there as opposed to swords to plowshares because dispatch, dispatch originally is like a one mana white, you know, tap target creature. If you have like three or more artifacts, it's exiled instead to that, to that effect, I think off the top of my head. And so yeah. like that fits more with the theme of the deck because it's an artifact deck, but it's not like, okay staple in it just cuts out my creativity for me so i really try to find ways to integrate flavor with um with the way that i'm brewing my deck which is it's really difficult especially when that's really ingrained in you the concept of having these staples like it, it's something that you kind of have to learn and as you're starting like okay i need to like run these good pieces when you're learning and then when you're more knowledgeable about the format you're like okay let's time to take away this knowledge and try and <laughs> figure out substitutions which i think is very funny yeah like i i add staples in well i'll say like i add quote unquote staples in like the middle of my deck building process like mm -hmm. after i figured out okay this is what this deck is trying to do yeah i'll look at i'll look at staples and say okay what like of this list of like 200 cards is going to help me do that thing better or set yeah. me up to do the thing better rather than starting with them. I already have a game plan in my head. So I know, okay, if my whole strategy is built around like a 15 mana combo, I'm going to need a bunch of ramps. So I'm going to need my Kodama's reach, my cultivate, my three visits, yeah. nature's lore, like all that kind of stuff. I don't do that first because I don't know what I'm using those to get to essentially is what it boils down to. I like I add my removal last because those are boring cards. They don't spark joy, as Marie Kondo <laughs> yeah. would say. And yeah. like I, I very much operate heavily under the Marie Kondo school of deck building, which is if it doesn't spark joy, it's not going in the deck. Mm -hmm. And if it's if it's got to go in the deck, it's going in last. Mm -hmm. I I've adopted that a lot, especially like when deck building on on stream too, or just even in general. I have to say, I. I don't run cards and, and this sounds really weird, but when I deck build, sometimes I feel things physically. I know how creepy that sounds, but like, um, if, if someone tells me like, if I'm like doing a stream and someone tells me, Oh, you should run like force of will counterspell Dovin's veto, you know, mana drain automatically. I'm like, no, I'm here to play magic and I want you to play magic too. 
it's just counter spells make me feel so icky. Like I get it. I literally, I get an icky feeling in my chest and I know how it feels when I get a spell countered. It's, it's a really big bummer and it kind of makes me frustrated. Um, and I just don't like doing that to other people knowing how it makes me feel now guaranteed. There's some commanders who like, you know, you should absolutely like counter spells. So like, um, Brawl is a good one for that kind of deck that, or whatever. That is literally the counter spell commander. Yeah. So like, obviously, you know, deck build at your own risk, choose what you want to do and no yeah. shame if you like that. But when it comes to stuff like that, I really don't like to add them in or like pieces that even though I know are very good in the deck, there's just some pieces that I just don't like to run. Like it took me a really long time to get behind fire covenant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it took me a really long time. I know life is a resource, but I don't, I don't like seeing that number go down. So it just... I, th I thought you were going to say Infect and Alibu because I know you oh, were no. apprehensive about that in the first place too. Was I? I remember going ham when that was in there. I remember somebody yeah. suggested, I was like, yeah, we're doing that. <laughs> Do I feel like the bad guy? Yes. No. Did I win in a super cool, awesome, you know, epic way on extra turns with that? Yes, I did. I'm gonna do yeah. it again and again and again. <laughs> there, there's a there's a school of thought that I subscribe to with like the quote unquote controversial cards. Yeah, like you don't you don't hate infect, you just hate triumph of the hordes and tainted strike. You don't oh hate God, yeah. mass land destruction. You hate Armageddon and yeah, mass land destruction isn't a great example here. Or like yeah. you don't. You don't like stacks pieces. You don't like stasis or back to basics and stuff like that. Like there is a healthy amount of all of the like faux pas or controversial cards that you can consider for your decks. And I, I, I do consider them for my decks mm -hmm. because if it helps me either like protect the thing that I'm trying to do or just fits naturally into the strategy, I'm going to sprinkle a little bit in there because it makes yeah. the game interesting. It makes the game play out in a way that it otherwise wouldn't. And it fundamentally changes the way that all four players at the table are going to approach the game. Yeah. Like I will say, if you do like a, a turn, turn two, I'm done. Magistrate, yeah. See ya. I'm literally, I feel hatred in my soul. <laughs> They're, the, the magistrate makes me so upset. Oh my yeah. god! I I try and build decks that I would enjoy playing against. That, yes, that is a, so, that, that is a good way to word that. And and another thing with that too is like just because you build a deck a certain way doesn't mean you have to play the deck a certain way either. Yes. Oh my god! A thousand percent. Yes. So I've had experiences where I played against people and they're like, "Oh well, I have to do this because my you know my deck." My deck is like, this is what it is. I have to do this. I'm like, you don't have to do this. You're choosing to do this. There's yeah. a very big difference between that. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, I want people in my pod to feel like they had a fun time and they didn't waste an hour and a half to two hours and they enjoyed the experience. And that's where like that social thing comes in. Um, the social aspect is very important for me when I deck build. You know, when it comes to Alibu and Infect, for example, I try to, um, you know, either win late game with that or pepper in infect and provide answers. So yeah. like, you know, if I deal infect, it's like two or three, you know, blips at a time, or it's going to be later in the game where I'm dealing 15, but it's late game. You know, it's not just like turn two, you're murdered. Yeah. You, no one likes being that person knocked out like 40 minutes into the game and having mm -hmm. to sit for another hour. You try not to be that person that is doing that to someone else and I, yeah. I i very much i built i build with that very cognizantly and even even if i don't think that it's possible with my deck if i find that it's possible in a in a game when i'm play testing or i'm playing mm -hmm. i'm not gonna do that and i i make a note like oh wait okay this is actually possible let's either like if i'm just not comfortable with that being in the deck to begin with mm -hmm. i'm gonna cut it or I'm just going to make sure that I don't do it when I'm playing the game. Sometimes, you know, those little restrictions that you put on yourself to like, you know, you could consider it like holding back, but also just playing to the vibe of the table. You can take those restrictions off if you're trying to like power up the deck mm -hmm. in a way, mm -hmm. but you don't want to get tempted like the devil in that respect. Like if you, if that's just not something that you wanted in the first place, you just get rid of it altogether. 
there there have been two experiences where I've had decks that I feel like led to very feels bad moments that I've actually taken apart because of that. And, you know, no one like this isn't me saying like, oh, like, you know, if you do this, then, you know, whatever to your deck. That's not it at all, because there have been times where I've built a deck and I actually didn't realize that there were synergies there until I played it. And that is something that I've experienced a lot. Like I had um, my MEL deck and I kept flickering, um, flickering Eternal Witness and I kept getting um, Path, Path to Exile back to my hand. And I, I remember I just kept playing it and playing it and playing it because like everyone was a threat, but I kept on like controlling the board in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the, in the moment I was like, this is a really cool thing to do. And then after the game, I'm like, that really wasn't a good thing. Or like I had a Rogue Rack and Kedis deck and on turn three, I think I played this game with Logan on turn three. I somehow um, killed every single person at the table because I had like a weird thing with fire emancipation out and on turn um, three. It was it was crazy. It was really crazy. I just didn't think because I it was it was just a weird thing. And I was like, okay, I'll do like maybe ten damage. And it was like thirty. And I was like, oh my god. So it's like it's definitely very weird when you deck build. But like you know, it's 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 a process. I like to think is very cyclical. I think like once you, I don't think you ever really finish a deck. I think you constantly tweak and tune your deck. And I know that there are such things as the concepts of like a finished deck unless a new piece is printed. But like, I feel like I'm constantly fiddling with my lists. That that just that makes solid. you that makes you happy. That sparks joy with you. Yeah, it's it's nice. I like it. I like being able to like see this card and go. I used to really like this card. I don't like it anymore. Look at this card and I go. This card I feel like might make the game not fun for literally anybody else or like stuff like that. So that's kind of the the trajectory i've noticed my deck building process uh, there there's an antithesis to um the constant fiddling where you just you let once you've built the deck and you've like got it dialed in you enjoy it you just leave it like that forever and ever and it's like it's a memento it's yeah. a moment of it's a moment of time and it's yeah. just a way to look back at your time during that period of your magic playing career because mm-hmm. like my geared deck is like that for me like i don't really touch it mm-hmm. um it, it does what i it it does what i want it to do it does big dumb hilarious stuff and it it populates some of my favorite creatures like i don't i don't see a need to really mess with it yeah yeah you know, if i'm gonna mess with it i'm just gonna build something new or something different and spend that you know that time commitment because like you said, deck building is a time commitment. I'm going to oh, build yeah. a new deck. I'm going to do something else. So speaking of something new, how do you start out deck building? Because I know that we've we've talked a little bit about it. And obviously it's like a very, um, it, it obviously depends. But like, how do you, how do you start building a deck? Like, what do you do when you're like, okay, I want to, I want to build something new. What do you do? So my head immediately goes to uh, what's the biggest dumbest most ridiculous clip worthy thing that i can do with this deck that sounds very right, yeah. like do with this commander <laughs> or this combo and i work back i work backwards from there um mm. so like my my jet mirror deck that i talked about last week uh the whole idea was to get a land animation spell out with legion loyalty to give the lands myriad and attack mm. with them so i you know i deconstructed like okay I need two different enchantments. So I obviously I need a bunch of card draw or like an idyllic tutor to make sure that I can get the get the enchantments consistently. Mm-hmm. And then I also need to make sure that those lands don't die. So again, that's the whole, you know, I figured out I figured out the thing that I want to do. Okay, how best do I support the thing and make mm-hmm. sure that it either doesn't backfire and implode or just figuring out that consistency that that so that thing happens more often than not and i'm just not sitting there for an hour and a half wondering so, well eventually it's going to show up or eventually something's going to happen so you just don't feel bad um mm-hmm. it's a bit like a big thing that i really take seriously is making sure that something happens or i'm doing something so i don't just sit there because i i'm the type of player like if i'm just kind of coasting along in the game and not participating. I'm not really mm-hmm. going to enjoy myself. Yeah. So I, I try my best to make sure that I can do something consistently. Uh, and that's usually 
those like, you know, couple dozen cards beyond the thing to make sure that I can participate in the game meaningfully. So do you, so you like to start with like set cards in mind and then do you choose a commander after, or do you already have like a commander in mind? If I'm choosing the commander up front, that commander is probably part of the thing. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So like Samut happened after the fact and I was, I have a lot of like tap, I have a lot of tap abilities What's a what's a commander that like likes doing untappy stuff? Oh, I happen to be in Naya as well, or I can like reasonably add a couple of red cards to this deck mm-hmm. and use this commander. Or like mm-hmm. Jetmir was the case of well, if all of my lands are creatures, then all of his buffs and aura abilities get unlocked immediately, and that seems mm-hmm. great. Plus three, yeah. plus zero, oh, trample, double strike, and vigilance seems great. Like sign me up, but. You know, I, beyond that, like Girid obviously wanting to populate things, like that's the thing. Mm-hmm. So Girid came first and then everything after that came after. So like, like we're going to, like, we're going to say a lot. It just depends. <laughs> but usually if I'm picking the, like I said, if I'm picking the commander first, the commander's part of the thing. So yeah. For for me, I also it feels like a cop out, but yeah, like it depends. It really does depend. Like there are times where, um, oh gosh, where I have a concept in mind, I have a commander in mind, or like the I, I ne- I've never done. I've only done this actually twice. That's a lie. I've only ever done this twice. I typically like to start with a commander I enjoy, but there have been two times in my deck building uh, experience where I've chosen a card in the 99 and built around that or like a concept I wanted to do. So like the first time I ever did that, I it was um, Theros Beyond Death pre-release and I traded somebody for a Nick, um, a Nick Bloom, Nick's Bloom Ancient. Um, and I was like, this is the coolest card I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> I was like, how can I do something with this? They're just certain cards that warrant completely being built around them. And th- like those are the cards that I think you and I both get the most joy out of because they're so restrictive. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do something weird. And I remember at first choosing Shulane, but then I think I opted for, I think her name is Janara. I did a Bant build and I did like X spells. Um, I wanted to like sink a bunch of mana and win with like Helix Pinnacle or whatever. So it's like, I want to do something with Helix Pinnacle. I want like, um, I wanted alt wing cons and stuff. It was very weird. Um, and the second time I did that was with um, the, it was a mono white deck I actually built. I actually built it for one of my articles for Star City Games where I had um, the uh, Twitter community pick quote unquote like strong white cards. And then I took all the cards that everyone said and I put it into a list and then I chose the commander last just because I wanted, it was an experiment. But I typically like to find a commander that I enjoy or piques my interest or very weird to say if I like the art of the commander, I will look past the ick I get from abilities <laughs> and maybe try and fiddle with that. Like there's um the mono green glissa. I am obsessed with that art. I think it's stunning. I think it's beautiful. I don't want to build it because I don't like that ability, but I'm willing to work to build it because I really like how it looks. It's just so beautiful. And I'm like, I can, I can work with this. Maybe I could put in like a, like a liquid metal torque and a liquid metal coating. I can do something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely really weird. Um, but typically I like to start with just like a, a creature I like or, or something like that. And, or even a concept. And I know that you and I have both fiddled with, um, with concepts before <laughs> in tech building yeah. and come out with something very weird like, like very Frankenstein's that. monster. Yes, yes, yes. And like obviously sometimes those um go to very good places. We have two experiences where they've both gone to very good places. And then I have experiences where they never got off the ground or I felt like the deck was too mean to ever see fruition in paper, you know. <laughs> no, I I definitely had that with um with Saskia Storm. Yeah. Like the deck was too good at doing its thing mm-hmm. that it was to the point where it was just a complete time hog. Yeah. Like, Oh my God. I, I just took, it took me a second. It took me a second. Yeah. I remember the thousand year storm and yeah. you're like, this, this, you're, 
no, 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 that was that was cast thousand year storm. Okay, I wanted to, I, I wanted to thousand I wanted to use thousand year storm to cast like fifteen clone legions or like um and like a Mizzix mastery. Yeah, a bunch of times or something like that. Like and I. <laughs> I remember you were like, okay, I took out Thousand Years Storm. Gone are the days of 15, 20 minute turns. And then that's a game that you said that exact same thing. You had like a 15 to 20 minute long turn. It was very funny. It was very different. That second game was only a 15 to 20 minute turn. Oh no, that was that was like months later. I was I was playing Prosh Devour. That's what it was. Okay. And um oh. I was doing Bolas Citadel stuff and Bolas Citadel stuff just naturally lends itself to long turns because there's only oh, yeah. one, there's only one way to resolve spells with Bolas Citadel. You gotta go one card at a time off the top. And when mm. that card, when that card you're playing off the top says, do the thing, shuffle your deck. Like you got to shuffle like, and spend the time in between each game action doing the thing. I oh took that tech, I took that deck apart too, even though I had like, a hundred hundred Michael off, and I had another game where I had like sixty-eight thousand, four thousand, four thousand dragons. Like I did, it did the thing. It was really good at what it did, but that... it was it was cool to watch as a spectator, mm-hmm. but not exactly cool as a participant of the game. As a good drug player, I, I feel this. Um, uh, There's only one way to do get rock combos. Yeah. And honestly, I, I'm I'm very thankful for the people who like f- let me fast track it out. Where they're like, "How do you win? Show us, show us your your loop." And I'm like, "Okay, That's here's how I present the loop." Nutshell, yeah, yeah. I'm like, "This is how I do it. This is how I prevent myself from dying. If we if we want me to resolve each and every single rendition, I will. We will probably be here for like two hours." Being able to say, "This is what I'm working towards." Yes. And just going and getting the card, showing them it's there. It makes your, like, you know, the mental math in your head and just the spoons it requires to pilot your deck a lot better in practice. Because when yeah. you're when you're building a deck, like, on paper and just brewing it, it's like, yeah, okay, like, yeah, this is, this is going to take some time to work towards. Or, like, you might downplay the fact that, like, a combo requires, like, a lot of iterations and is time-consuming. Just like, eh, mm-hmm. like, this is just how it is. And when you actually do it, in person with other people it it doesn't fit the vibe like what what do you do there like do you take apart the deck or do you do you try and rework the deck completely just removing that combo because sometimes certain decks just that's the combo that they need like that's the Mm -hmm. thing that actually makes it work so the deck might not work and it's hard to salvage for for me i i don't know i play things differently so like there are decks where i feel like I don't know. Examples like uh, like my Locust God deck. There was um, a game I played when I was in Richmond where um, I had the win on, I want to say, like, turn four. I had the win on, like, turn four. Um, but I purposely didn't play it because I was really having a good time with the people I was playing with. You know, they were just kind of getting their groove with their decks. Um, and I don't know. I had a lot of fun playing, and it didn't really matter you, know, you didn't want the won. game to end, yeah. I didn't want it to end. And, and like, I still won the game, but I won it, like, turns later with a different combo slash cards interaction, mm-hmm. what have you. But I had fun because, you know, it was just, it was a good time. And, like, even with, like, Gitrog, you know, Gitrog is such a complex, complicated deck that I still find myself questioning, like, plays and, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, sometimes it's just more fun to, like, play, the, play it or tweak it in a certain way. Like, I, you know, there's always going to be cards where they're objectively the more powerful piece. Like I had a Sylvan library in there and I hated playing it. So I took it out and I put in Erg, the, the new uncommon Dominaria frog. Oh, Cause I was like, that's, there's a big like, difference between those that's two. A big difference. But I was like, he's cute and doofy. He's a frog and he does land stuff. And I know I'm going to enjoy playing it. <laughs> so I did the switch. It just kind of depends. I don't like scrapping a deck unless I am bored with it. Or I um, or let I your it, let your anything. inner Marie Kondo flow through you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very weird. Like all of my decks that I've built function. They function well. They do the thing. They're able to play pretty fast. They're able to play pretty slow. You know, I can kind of tailor make the game 
the the play style based on the game that we're playing. Mm-hmm. But like ultimately, there are just times where I'm like, oh, I don't like you anymore. You know, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> I don't want to play with you anymore. Insert yeah, yeah, yeah. in from Toy Story here. Except it's me dropping the singles off at my LGS so I can fuel <laughs> another deck later. Because that's like how I do it. When I get bored of a deck, I just take it, I rip it apart, I go to my card shop, and I go, store credit. <laughs> and then, I just and then immediately spend the store credit like two hours later. Like you go mm-hmm. in there with a plan. I view, Sometimes. maybe I shouldn't do this, but I view my LGS as like a second bank. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking at the long box of staples on my floor right now and feeling really self-conscious. Like Don't I could, feel self-conscious. Don't feel self-conscious. Says the person with literal piles of cards on their desk right now. Well, over hold on. Over here, it's... Okay, well, it's hidden right now, but I have a <laughs> stack of um, shocks and fetches and triumphs from my... Um, torn apart goshen tie deck and i just have them and i'm I like i forgot God, that stuff. you had that deck oh my yeah. gosh that <laughs> yeah, was short-lived it was, it was short-lived lived. and the reason why i took it apart is because it it, it trying to stay felt, freaking forever not even that it just felt very repetitive and i don't like i don't like games where it works out the same way i like different things you know that, that reminds me of, of Really funny joke. My workout plan is hoping things work out, and that's kind of how I view deck building yeah. and playing commander games. Like, I hope this works out. This seems fun. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, even like when we play games, it's like, do, should I do the optimally smart thing or should I do the fun thing? Yeah. Or is it should I do the stupid thing or should I do the good thing? You know, there's like it's just it's always fun to kind of like do that. Like your deck building should impact your gameplay and the fact that you can kind of you know do do multiple different things at once. I like having multiple options and ways to win. And I know this kind of ties back into like what we talked about, like last week, you know, I like finding multiple ways to do the thing. Yeah. I like having multiple win cons, like in locust God, I have like Strixhaven stadium, laboratory maniac, Jace, Sage of the falls, um, perforos impact tremor. Like there's, I, I like having multiple ways to like yeah. do stuff because it, it makes it less boring for me. You know, it, I have it also just guarantees it. that every single game you're gonna have multiple live draws that make you feel like you're part of the game and yes. like in it to win it without even trying to be in it to win it at all times. Yes, it's a better feeling than just sitting there hoping you draw your one card for turn. And mm-hmm. it's like the one card when you have like eight of those one cards that can kind of flip a switch for you it's it's a really exciting feeling to draw a card it's a really exciting feeling to take a game action yeah i like i like i like giving myself options and and that's why i like to try not to deck build very narrowly which is why going into another one of the theme decks that i built why i i will never build this in paper i built it on um on moxville just for funsies um but it's um my tuvasa the sunlit deck and it is every single enchantment in that deck is an aura that is either like a pacifism effect or like a claustrophobia type effect or like it can't attack or, or block or it can't untap or mm-hmm. it just can't do anything. And then every single one, it's like in a prison in the moon type thing. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, wow, this is so cool. And it can obviously work and do well because Tuvasa gets bigger. So I have a commander to win with commander damage and no one can block anything. I think I would be kicked out of every single LGS if that was the deck I brought. Because it's just so, it's mean, but it's good, but it's mean. And I'm like, I can never There, There is always going to be a group out there that is down to play against something like that. <laughs> but that being said, having a deck that is more approachable for more tables is definitely something that like I try and do yes. cognizantly mm-hmm. when I mm-hmm. build a deck. Like, I've I've built some very disgustingly mean decks over the years. Mm. None of them are still together to this day. Like I guess the closest thing is Primal Surge because when you're resolving Primal Surge, you can't do anything about it. Yeah. But you're winning you're winning the game then and there. So like it it it's fine. Rest and that's, in that's peace, kind of my <laughs> Yeah. I miss every day. <laughs> I I know. I know. You you kind of stole the stole the words out of out of my mouth. Uh, 
like I'm I was so gonna ask sorry. <laughs> no no you're good I, I was gonna ask you like is there is there a deck that you've like tr desperately tried to make work over the years but just haven't for whatever reason uh, and I like I feel like that Tuvasa deck answers the question but at the same time I know you have because you build you build a new deck every single week like there's yeah. bound to be one that like legitimately just you don't vibe with as much as you want to try to make it work for you I think for me it's 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 color combos and it's it's not me saying like oh I don't like this color combo I just for some reason no matter what I cannot get a Mardu deck off the ground I don't know what it is I don't know why every single time I have tried to build a Mardu deck which has been multiple times both on stream and in paper it just doesn't like me I think the color has something the color combo has something against me can I give you my my bit of hey like I actually like I like the Mardu colors I like them too <laughs> it's because you Mardu Mardu is a color combination that I've found like in my experience to be very staple dependent and very staple centric yes yeah, and you're not a you're not a stapler you don't, don't like, like playing that. you don't like playing staples yeah. so the basis of like what makes mardu work is just having high staple quality cards throughout the deck i think that might be the case for the first deck i built tried to build in mardu which was queen marchesa Oh, um, it was yeah, very. I have, I have never seen a Queen Marchesa deck that just hasn't been a staple pile of staple good stuff. But then the, the second one, the second one I think is the exception, <laughs> which was um, my my Negan. I think it's Negan the Cold Blooded deck. I yeah. built a Negan the Cold Blooded deck because I was like, this is sick. I love this. Um, and I had Negan, a lot of fun playing it. Negan needs staples to work. It wasn't that. I felt like such a villain playing that deck oh my god because the deck had let me tell you what i ran in that list I want, I want you to know what kind of monster i was i did pox was did small still, pox. still are yeah you were trying to build one deck and ended up with a different deck like yeah, you were trying I, to you were trying to build mardu control and you ended up with like mardu stacks yeah it was it was really hateful because i did I, I i had like those pieces like you lose whatever third of your life sack a creature i did mm -hmm. killing wave i had michiko Konda. I was like, I was like, I'm going to make you, make you give me treasures. It's yeah. going to happen. And I felt like such a jerk, <laughs> but there, it was cool the first two, three, four times. And then after that, I'm like, I can't, I can't do this as, as, as most of those decks usually are. Mm. Yeah. You know, there, there's a big difference between saying you could do this if you wanted to, I'm just going to have an answer for it versus yeah. you can't, you can't do something to begin with. Like that's just yeah. not going to happen in the first place. Like there's a big difference between those two and you were trying to go for the former and you ended up with the latter, you know, when you yeah. play your, when you play pox, when you play contagion and stuff like that, just like you can, you can tap your lands, but they're not going to tap for your color. Yeah. I, I will say though, I did feel incredibly powerful casting a, casting a pox oh my god i felt so powerful <laughs> it, it's a riveting it's a riveting experience it's once. novelty yeah just like yeah. it's like with great power comes great responsibility like yeah you know it it's a very powerful feeling to cast an armageddon <laughs> it's the type of cards you have to know what you're doing with it yeah you Ooh, i have a very good example of that i i was playing with zbex and she had this uh selenia human stack and she, she won, I believe she won this game because we played two games, but she had like a bunch of humans out. She had like Cryptolith right. And then she played like early, like turn, I want to say five, turn four, turn five. She played Armageddon and everyone's lands got wiped out, but all her creatures could tap for yeah. mana. And she was able to she, like, that's, I think that's like the way like you should do it mm -hmm. because I was in awe. I was like, that's a sick, that's really sick. I just thought it was so clever, like yeah. doing it in that way. Because even though it did remove resources from us, I was like, you know, it was early enough in the game that I felt, you know, we could rebuild at a reasonable pace, which we did. Mm -hmm. um, it was really good and interesting, I think, to kind of see that interaction. Because I never, I was like, oh, you can't play any more spells. And she's like, no, I can't. <laughs> I was like, oh, whoa, that's so sick. I have sick. a crypto, right? Was so We're cool. good. Yeah. It was so cool, but. I don't that's know, like Jack very that's very legacy death and taxes to me and i know <laughs> i know zbax is like 
first and foremost, a legacy player um, mm. to begin with. So that, that that is very reminiscent of a deck that she enjoys playing elsewhere and has ported it over into into Commander. Or just yeah. like the concept of a deck bringing it over. And and that's what I really like about Commander, again, to kind of tie things back into um, like just deck building in general. I love finding new ways to do things and seeing new ways to do things and like taking pictures of cards that I experience in a game that absolutely mm-hmm. destroy me. So like that Armageddon example is a really cool thing. Or like when I was at Richmond, somebody played um, Second Sunrise and I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, here, look. And I saw it. And I'm like, that's such a cool card. And like, I learned some, I learned something new because there's so many cards that are legal in commander. And I was yeah. like, this is great. And I, I love being able to like learn about new ways to do things in a creative way. That's not just like your, your typical quote unquote staple pieces. Now, one, one might say that you've taken this to the extreme with one of your decks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think I know, I think you know what deck that I'm talking about. That's your, your secret layer deck. Yes. Where, yes. Like you have taken such a hyper specific restriction and mm-hmm. turned it into something that's like actually awesome and like really cool to watch. Um, yeah. I love you want to, you want to <laughs> talk about like where, where that idea came from? Cause I feel like that, that inception of an idea is something that people like might really grasp onto, not necessarily to like build their own secret layer deck, but just like Mm -hmm. a very unique hyper specific deck to begin with. Yeah. So I, 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 it started out with a tweet as, as most of (laughs) my, my stuff turns out. Um, and I posted a tweet and I remember saying like, is it, do you think it's possible to make an all secret layer deck? And a lot of people were like, yeah, it's totally possible. Um, and I even think the command zone responded and they were like, yeah, we did it. And I'm like, okay, they did it. I can do it. Um, and I was like, okay, but how do I choose the commander? And this was literally purely conceptual at the time. I just, I wasn't going to do anything with it because I'm like, this is going to be expensive. I'm not doing it. Um, so I started like shopping through um, all of the legal commanders that you could have from a secret lair. And I think at the time, that I was looking, there was only like 120 some odd mm-hmm. viable legends that I could make in commander and make a deck out of, but nothing was really capturing my eye. And so, um, I kind of set it aside for a while. Cause I was like, I can't find anything. Cause I didn't want to do, you know, dragons or, or anything like that. Like that just wasn't for me. I, I travel can get very boring for me. So I was like, no, or like slivers. Cause slivers are a very viable option for a secret layer deck. But I was like, no, they are um, now at least they are definitely um they're, they're, they're what the hidden cards that they're doing right now like the yes. like the the rare drop card like you either get the planeswalker and the stained glass mm-hmm. or like the specific card for the drop or uh, a land or yeah blueprint, or a sliver yeah, yeah. yeah. Ooh, or like a they there's now two new ones there's a persistent petitioners variation and a right right which i think is super yeah. sick um but I was like, I'm just going to put it aside and we'll figure something out later. And then um, three days later, the left-handed uh, April Fool's secret lair was previewed. And in that secret lair was uh, Sisse, five-color Sisse. And I was well, like... there you go. Yes. <laughs> because I wanted a commander that did not have a, a narrow, a narrow um, theme. Like... Um, I, if I wanted to for five colors, I could have done, um, oh, what's the name of that scarecrow? The five color scarecrow. Reaper, Reaper, like any, any of the, um, any of the legendaries from that secret, particular secret lair. Yeah, the kaleidoscope killer secret lair. Yeah, but it, it, it's uh, Reaper King. Yeah, I was like Reaper King, and I'm like, I could do Reaper King. That's five colors, but that's narrow because it's scarecrows. And mm-hmm. I think it's the only scarecrow secret lair or something. Or like, uh, well, so I'm I'm on Scryfall right now, and I'm just yeah. like looking at scarecrow mm-hmm. and uh let me tell you there are not enough scarecrows to make nope. a secret or like to make a scarecrow there are 39 but pretty much all of them leave more to be desired yeah <laughs> and i like do you want to play do you want to play straw soldiers which is a two mana one three scarecrow with no. nothing else no nope. text box. Yeah. No. And, and the time that I did in the past build with Reaper King, I put him in my Morophon deck and it was my tribal mm-hmm. tribal list. But yeah. Um, 
I was like, oh my God, this is perfect. Because Sisse, even though at first glance you're like, oh, I have to do only legendaries. That's a very wide variety. That's a very wide margin for secret layers. Well, and like you don't, you don't have to do legendaries either. Like it's just the things that she looks for. Like you can just have other good cards in there. Like Mm -hmm. again, also went on Scryfall Advanced Search, the best friend for someone trying to do a very restrictive deck. There are 800, there are 813 unique secret layer cards. So like Mm -hmm. why restrict yourself to like a hundred? Yeah. And, and I think what I really enjoyed about like Sisse is her, her five colorness, the fact that she herself is a tutor in the command zone that is Mm -hmm. repeatable. That repeatableness is just superb. So I was like, okay, cool. I have my commander. And then I just started searching for legends, which by the way, I love to say because she says legendary in general. So you can get a land or a legendary enchantment or a legendary artifact or a planeswalker. Like you, you, you're not limited as much as you think you are. So I was like, this is great. And ultimately I just started grabbing cards that I already own because I like secret layers. I, I buy secret layers when I enjoy them, whether it's like a whole drop or like little tidbits or whatever. And I just like, shoved everything in like a list on on moxfield um and fun fact super cool fun fact uh there are a lot of quote-unquote commander staples in secret lair drops it's almost like the product has been tailor-made for commander players oh i love it there's there's uh soul ring there's literally every uh signet there's every talisman there's chromatic lantern there's arcane signet there's even cultivate and a kodama's reach and a beast within and um, a generous gift, already packed yeah. in there. Swords, path, everything. Like literally, wrath of, everything. Wrath of God, blasphemous act, like Sack, all the Vandal all Blast. the sta- yeah, everything. Literally everything. Mystic study, mystic Lamora. Here, here's my question: If yeah. the heads or tails, like coin flipper deck, ever makes it to the public, like there's just like normal, normal, normal cards in there. Like, do those count mm. for the secret layer deck? I the way I did it for my secret layer deck is that at the bottom the little the little um I guess you could call it like the little code the little set code yeah the the set code yeah so if it says SLD on the bottom corner of a card okay. it counts that's okay. what matters to me as long as it says SLD it counts because even the mana base in my deck is a secret layer which proved to be a little bit stressful at first but it actually was kind of easier after a time because um you have shocks and fetches. Boom, that's my yeah. mana base right there. Even a command tower, mana confluence. And then um, even the basics in my deck are secret layers. And at first I was like, this is going to cost me an arm and a leg for the mana base. But as you pointed out, which I'm so glad you did, in the very beginning of secret layers, some of the bonus cards were just basic lands that yeah, have that little they, SLD they, on the They bottom. ended up switching to that eventually. And then they did yeah. that for like eight months. So yes. there's like hundreds of thousands of um, of secret layer basic lands just everywhere in the wild yeah and i love that because you know like the full art textless ones are like the really pretty like eight bit mm-hmm. pixel ones or the vaporwave yeah. ones are stunning but they're like five to seven dollars per at, at least the yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so i was like this is gonna be murder like and do you so, really um, want to spend five hundred dollars on basic lands basic, no so like that was the biggest stressor for me but like I was really surprised because when I went in, I, I I wanted to build a deck where I was like, I want to put used to cards I have in a binder because I, I buy a lot of secret mm-hmm. layers and I had a lot of cards that were rotting in a binder because I would buy the secret layers for maybe like three or four cards and I would put them in my decks and then the rest would just kind of chill out. And I was like, I want to give value to these pieces I yeah. own. And then, you know, I just so happened to say was like the perfect answer. And like I will say that this particular concept I brewed is very <laughs> not um, not cost effective. It's it's very expensive. It's for for it's definitely a, what I consider to be a whale deck. Um, but that's just Don't because I I've, I've either purchased secret layers or I've been given secret layers in the past, and I've I've had the ability to do it. But like, it doesn't have. I'm to not expensive. one to talk. I'm not one to talk. Okay, because yeah, I feel like I, I feel like similar. <laughs> all, all of my decks boil down to being whale decks. But like the one deck that's been like my slow burn labor of love is like a real whale deck. Oh yeah, even the, more so than mine. I would say three times as whale as mine. Because I'm trying to do a deck that's all artist proofs. 
Yeah. <laughs> so for, for those that might not be familiar with artist proofs, they're blank back cards sent to the artist who did the art for the card as part of their compensation for the art commission. And there's 50 non-foils and 30 foils of a card. Yes. And that's it. Every time it's reprinted, that artist gets 50 or 30 more. But you're restricted as to like what you can even get your hands on or like what's still in the wild or like, you know, certain artists only do lands. Certain artists only do like legendary creatures like Yang Jae Choi does some of the most stunning legendary creatures, but they don't sell artist proofs. So if you're if you're looking for, you know, Gisa Glorious Rebirther or something like that for for your deck, like you can't get that. So you just have to not play that card. Uh, I know our our friend Hobbs has a Grenzo Dungeon Warden all artist proof yeah. deck, and yeah. like Jeremy's working on an all artist proof deck. And like Jeremy's doing Maelstrom Wander, just like teamer good stuff. But like yeah. Hobbs, Hobbs is specifically, granted, Hobbs has been working on his deck for like six or seven years, I want to say, like ever since he started collecting artist proofs. And it's like a very specific goblin tribal deck. Mm-hmm. And like I'm still trying to figure out what I want mine to be. Yeah. I have like a lot of legendary creatures, but it it's just kind of boiling down to what can I even get my hands on in the first place? I was going to say, no, that limits you even, even more mm-hmm. because like, it, it's not even a matter of like, w- technically every single card ever printed, you have the possibility of getting yeah. Yeah. possibility is that keyword. I would like to yeah. emphasize here because it's, it's the rarest of the rarest of the rare, because mm-hmm. as you said before, and I really want to emphasize only 30 and 50 like it it, that's a small number like i have chandra artist proofs and on the little back of it it just says 29 out of 30 like that's very limited you you got you got the last two that you could get (laughs) from eric the chomps yeah without going into the secondary market granted the second you get into the secondary market things open up yes but then you end up either like paying premiums because like you know wayne reynolds has recently passed away like it's really hard to get a Wayne Reynolds proof to begin with, but like the mm-hmm. fact that Wayne, you know, Wayne has passed away or Quentin Hoover has passed away as well. Like you just, you can't get that stuff. And the stuff that is out in the wild is absolutely ridiculously expensive mm-hmm. or like certain artists who you might wait two years to get a sketch on the back of the artist proof. Yeah. You're so kind of going people, through that right now. One of these days I will have a five color sesse <laughs> and a secret layer Saskia from Anna Steinbauer. And it's gonna be the coolest mail day ever. It's gonna but be so sick. <laughs> it's I I have been waiting two I've been waiting two years, but I did specifically ask for sketches, and mm-hmm. Anna takes her time and does an amazing job with them. Mm-hmm. And like Magali is the same way to Darkin. Oh, yeah. Uh Darkin is another one that takes his time. His sketches are absolutely amazing and fantastic, mm-hmm. but you you wait for them. Yeah. So you know, it's, it's this balancing act, but at the same time, there are some, you know, there are some cards out there that you wouldn't think are accessible that are like super, super accessible. Yeah. Like I, I blew up your text messages the other day. Cause I got a hold mm-hmm. of like one of my grails quote unquote. Um, I was actually about to bring that up. So I'm really glad you brought it up. Yeah. <laughs> Cause uh, you were like, Oh my God. <laughs> like, I can't believe I got this. Cause it's the only one that I know of that exists in the whole yes. world. Uh, so Matt Stewart is like one of my favorite artists. And I have, you know, I have a Najila from Matt. I have a Lavinia from Matt. But Matt, fun fact, did the time twister art for Magic Online and Vintage yeah. Masters. And I got an artist proof on the back of a Lavinia that is time twister drawn with like a custom frame. And you know, this gets into like a proxy and not proxy conversation. That's a completely, com- completely different conversation for the other day. Mm-hmm. But like for the spirit of this deck where you're showing off the art of the artist on the back wherever possible, that's a time mm-hmm. twister that I just have for a deck now. And it's stunning, by the way. It is so it's, beautiful. It's on, it's on screen right now for those of you watching on YouTube. Look at or, it. And if you're not watching on YouTube, 
this is an episode to watch on YouTube. Yeah, um, it is. <laughs> this is like the coolest, one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. But like, these are the types of cards, like when we were saying earlier, like you see a cool card, you see a cool combo or something like that. And you mm -hmm. say like, I need to build a deck around that. Yeah. Does my deck need a time twister? No, but it's too cool not to. Like, yeah, you, if it, you know, say I had the whole deck together, I would find room for it. And yeah, you're going to, you know, you're going to be the exact same way over time with a secret layer doc. It's like, mm -hmm. they're not going to stop making secret layers. Like they're going to constantly <laughs> make new stuff. There's no reason for them to slow down. So you're inevitably going to have an evolution with your deck mm -hmm. over time. And it, you know, it feeds that little like Timmy, you know, good brain chemical sort of <laughs> satisfaction in your head. It's like, you're, you're a tinkerer. Yeah. And I, that secret, that secret layer deck just constantly releasing new product for, Oh, is the way to satisfy that itch yeah. with that deck for you. It's it's a love letter to art, which I wanted yeah. it to be because it's so unique. And yours is too. And I actually want to bring this up. You actually inspired me um, with that specifically, like with, you know, like your time twister is very recent, but like your Najila is the same way where like, even though you have Najila on the front, on the back, you kind of have like, like the mana value, and yeah. like this like little border. That, and that's like, a it, thing, it that's a thing like, that Matt does. Yeah. And has turned into that. his own thing. Like I I, I, I've had, I've had other artists do something similar. Like I have a horizon canopy from Elena Danner and it's really cool to see how they interpret like a card frame or really yeah. cool how they interpret like a deck for the, uh, for the text, but Matt takes it to a whole different level. And you, you inspired me and you were actually there with me when I got it, when we were in Richmond. Yeah. I, oh um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. After bullying you to get that that burgeoning, I um no, no, it was <laughs> it was an exploration because it was the last one. It was. Still have it was it. beautiful and it was worth it. And I'm glad you bought it, by the way. But uh, yeah, um... I'm, I am too because right now that's the <laughs> only piece of ramp in the secret layer deck, or not in the secret layer in the artist proof deck. See, it worked out. Peer pressure yeah. works. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I, um... like it, but I am gonna <laughs> accept it. I um I wanted really badly before I went to Richmond to get a Necro Impotence to get Mark Tadine to sign it because I have an Uncube and I wanted to put it in there. And I also have a Necropotence in my Gitrog deck, but I could not find a Necro Impotence anywhere because I could order online. I prefer to go to my LGS, but like I couldn't find, um, at the time I couldn't find one in stock. So I was standing in his line and I was like, I'll just get my card signed by him and I'll go. And as I'm scrolling through his little artist proof binder, he had one necro impotence Fate. proof left and i was so excited i didn't even look at how much it was i just went and i snatched I, I it need it and i it was so great because um he the way that mark d does his work and you actually told me about this so I, I was prepared was that um he he doesn't take the card and go thank you i'll shoot you a message when you're done he does it in front of you and you're there while he does it that's why his line is like line. 2 hours long at yeah. events but he, he makes it a very personal and memorable experience for you. Yes. And it was like very the, lovely and super cool. And I asked him, I was like, can you draw the Necropotence guy on the back of this Necroimpotence card, but have him look like a clown? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> and so he drew a, the little Necroimpotence dude as a clown. He has like a little clown nose and he has like a little <laughs> red wig and whatever. Um and I got like the cheapest version of it available. So when I went to put, you know, grab my Gitrog deck, I took out the real legal signed <laughs> Necrobones and put in the uncard Necroimpotence, but I put it in the back because I'm like, that's unique, that's cool, that's funny, yeah. and that's stupid. And I love it. And no one's gonna argue with me on that, because why? But like it was just such like, a that, unique that, and fun that's thing. Testament for me. to our friend group. So like yeah. obviously you like you <laughs> if you're doing something like that out at your shop or whatever like use consent bring it up yes. in the pregame discussion everything like that but like we don't i'm the type of person who's going to encourage chase to do something like that stephanie's going to so be good. the type of person who's gonna mm -hmm. like toot your horn and like get mad if you don't you know everyone's mm -hmm. got you know it, it's gonna go this or that like sometimes you can't get away with playing decks like that but it's yeah. you have a story to tell that whole experience and that's mm -hmm. essentially what your deck what what my artist proof deck is trying to be it's you know all of my travels as a magic player all of mm -hmm. you know the different people that i've met over the years that i've like genuinely gotten to know who i've bought artist proofs from because mm -hmm. in a small niche community like magic 
it's a lot smaller than you really think it is. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, for, for whatever reason, it becomes a very personal process, whether that's the deck building or the actual like acquisition of the cards. Like there's always mm-hmm. some, there's always something to chum over with your buddies or just have small talk at a table. Like, you know, when, whenever Chase drops that necro impotence, it's down on the table. Like mm-hmm. you always got to tell the story. Like there's always going to be someone yeah. new there to, <laughs> to hear about it. Or it's so, like, someone's always going to ask like, like, Hey, why do you have a secret layer deck? Like, what was the idea mm-hmm. behind that? Like, it's a very it it's, it gets very intimate in the yeah. best of ways, and it's like that's the best part about Commander. Like that's the original one of the original points of Commander was to be mm-hmm. very personable and of a, just a different way to experience Magic. Yeah, and and I think that's what we need when we see create Commander is a creative format. It's not you know you know. If you net deck, it's bad. Or if you there, like, there's take still there's still creators. a creative aspect to net decking though, because you're not yeah. just gonna go and net deck any other deck. You're no, gonna, you're gonna net deck something that you really vibe with, or you feel like you have a very personal connection to. Whether it's yeah. like, you know, rebuilding your best friend from childhood's deck, or mm-hmm. a favorite creator of yours, like it, it's still personable. Yeah, I mean, I, I recently built, um, it's very illegal, by the way, the deck, not the action of building, but <laughs> the deck itself was illegal, um, a Pietra, Crafter of Clowns deck, because um, my friend uh, used to be a circus clown for Ringling Brothers, and he, he and I talk every now and then, and he tells me, whenever he sees something magic related, he'll text me about it. Um, and when I told him that there were clowns in magic, he actually got really excited, and I was like, I'll just build him like a little clown deck. Um, and that was like a fun little creative process that was a way for me to kind of share my interest with a friend. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of like a way for me to do that. So like deck building is multiple things. Like I, I don't know. I I love the concept of deck building because it is, it, each time you do it, even if you build like the same deck, like if you take one list and you build it 10 years later, it's still going to be a different experience. Oh, it's going to be a different experience. It's probably going to be a completely different list too unless you're cognizantly saying like, I'm going to build this deck like I would have built it 10 years ago. But even then, like that's a very personal experience and a very fun idea to explore. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, I just love stuff like that. I I think, I think whether you're going for like something that you see on EDA track or something that you see on Moxfield or you take a creator's list, which by the way, creators love that, you know, it's super flattering. No one's ever copied any of my decks yet, (laughs) but I build very unique personal decks. So I understand why it's not going to happen. Like you build like Chandra and like have become the face of Chandra decks, which is the coolest thing. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I love, I love being the Chandra person. Um, or my, my Alibu deck, I had somebody tell me that they built my Alibu deck after, after my extra turns appearance. They didn't know it was so you happy. either, if I remember correctly, which is Yeah, it was really weird. I wasn't wearing makeup. I had my hair in a bun and I was wearing sweats and I had my glasses on. And this guy in my LGS, he was, he was playing Alibu and I'm like, oh sick, I have an Alibu deck. And I was like, I love that. And he goes, yeah, also I built it after I saw it on extra turns. And I was like, that was me. And he goes, oh my God. Did you, did you sign the Alibu after the fact? No, like, no, I did not. No. Went on two passing ships in the night. Had a moment. <laughs> I see him at my LGS frequently, and every time I look at him, and I'm like, I know, you're the Alibu. You're the, yeah, it you're makes the me Alibu happy. Guy. Yeah, because yeah, it just makes me happy, stuff like that, because it's, it's I, I, I don't consider Alibu to be like a, a, a well-loved, popular It's character. Boros, that's why. Yeah. It's Sorry. Cool. I don't care what anyone yeah. says. But Seriously. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, the creative process is different and, and I don't know, like I, I love deck building and for, for in a multitude of ways, whether it's a creative process for me, I like to call it the muscle. It takes practice, deck building. It takes time. You're not going to be super awesome at it. You know, immediately it takes time to build that muscle and to get, I mean, even now after however many years of playing magic, I still have, you know, moments where I miss, misread a combo that I thought, or like I, before the rules change with Kakusho where um, the commanders hit the yard and then go back to the command zone before that. Rather than going straight deck. there, right? Yeah. I built a Kakusho deck. I invested money into that mono black deck. And then when I finally played it, it hit the yard. I went, okay, time to put it back in the command zone. And they went, no, 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 no. It stays there. And I was like, 
what? <laughs> and I was so upset and I wasted money and I took the deck apart and it was, it was a loss of investment. So like it takes time yeah. and a lot of complex rules. You have to have a very good grasp of rules. And it took me forever to understand my own Gitrog deck. It's, it's, this is a long way of me, long way of me saying like, you know, deck building, it's the, the, gonna... fir the first step to being good at deck building is sucking at deck building. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I got you. I knew, I knew Thank where you were you. going with that. I was trying. Words were forming. Mouth was not connecting. It was just blah, 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 blah. Thank you so much for watching this week's episode of Bad at Magic. If you don't know who I am, my name is Chase, also known as Mana Curves, and I'm a Commander content creator. I stream Paper Commander on my Twitch channel, Mana Curves, uh, Thursdays and Sundays at 6 p.m. Eastern, and I do collaborative deck building where I build an entire Commander deck with chat, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, and I also write articles about Commander for Star City Games, and those come out every single Friday. And I'm at EK Plays Cars on all the things. I work behind the scenes with all of your favorite Commander content creators and Commander luminaries like Shivam Bot and Casual Magic with Shivam Bot podcast, uh, Elder Dragon hijinks with Ailey and Olivia, and then obviously I'm over here. And then I also live rent free in Stephen Green's head and the Commander versus crew. Uh, <laughs> some of my great friends. I know you live rent free in Steven's head too, so it's getting, <laughs> it's, it's getting a little crowded. It's getting a little crowded over here. Yeah. I was there first. <laughs> so if you're supporting them, you're supporting me too. Uh, you can find this podcast on all of your favorite podcast platforms of choice Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, uh, Stitcher everything like that you can also find it if you're not already here on youtube.com uh so make sure to hit the like button the subscribe button you've made it this Ring far in the episode <laughs> yeah do the thing you've made it this far in the episode already so it's not a tall ask for us to ask you to do that very kindly and we really really appreciate that it helps us defeat the evil algorithm overlords and uh, thanks for listening